this is Cheryl Linker, and it's Saturday morning, and I'm here with my dear friend Anita McKee for the Master Gardener Hour. And it's uh, fall football time. Yes, fall planning in your garden. I think we got to do that. So today, Anita and I are going to talk about what we're doing in our gardens this fall. Good morning, Anita. Hello, how are you? Doing great, doing Good. great. Thanks for having me. If you, uh, your daughter graduated, um, so you school. have you have no more high school football games to go to on Friday night. No, I was actually the uh, I was actually the chain chick for Walton, and I and I, I retired. I said this is it, I'm my last child. She's going to college, so yeah, no more uh, high school football. Yeah, Anita is the founder and owner of Twigs Landscape, a little a boutique. Um, installation and design company, and she was also, I don't know if you understood her when she said she was the chain chick, but the chain chick is the person who moves the um, down markers at a football game. So Anita did that for Walton High School, which was is a humongous high school in North Atlanta. So uh, I'm surprised they let you retire from that job. Well, they didn't want me to because I was the chain chick. Okay. <laughs> I was the only one in Cobb County. But now it was time to move on. Well, that's and better good. Things. That's good. So Anita's daughter started uh, nursing school. Yes, so, Kennesaw. So we're happy for her. Mm-hmm. Fall is a crazy time. Um, it's still burning hot, like in the south, but you start seeing fall decorations in stores, and you start seeing pumpkins, and you start seeing chrysanthemums. So we're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, how to get transition from summer into fall. So tell us tell us what you're doing at Twigs right now. What kind of fall projects have you got going? Well, actually, um, the flowers do not start until October. It's just too hot for pansies right now, so we're really not doing that. But we're I think we're more in the planning stages for the gardens that we are going to be putting in um, in the fall and even into the winter. Because the good thing about Atlanta, it stays warm. It, I mean, it can be very warm here. So we, so plant, we plant October, November, oh. even December. Yeah, I, now I do try to take uh, December off for Santa. Claus, but other than yeah. that, I mean, I'm in it January, February, so we're we're more in the planning stages now. But yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of quiet. It's still a little hot, I think. Yeah, yeah so. and I think um, you know, I always think of January as being a time that you sit down and look at all your catalogs and start planning yes. what you're doing. But I really have I, I've been doing that a lot more like this time of year because you know gardens just kind of like die down now and all Mm -hmm. you're doing is deadheading and watching your grass turn brown and all that kind of stuff so and you know all our vendors are sending out their catalogs so i think it's really really a good time to get going on stuff like that oh absolutely. absolutely so i mean it's um the planning january maybe we should kind of rethink this and do it in you know this time of year um, I know I'm going to be doing a lot of planning, and Anita is going to be helping me with a lot of planning. Um, my garden is going to be on the Cobb County Master Gardener Tour in May of 2014. So I'm already walking around, you know, whenever I'm out, like, drinking a glass of wine, walking around in my garden with friends. I'm saying, you know, if you went to the coolest garden ever, what would you envision, you know, adding to this garden or how would you want to transition or what would you want to do to this garden to make it, you know, look like a true master gardener's paradise? 
So, I mean, and you know, the number one response that people have given me is more vegetables interplaced in with traditional hydrangeas and flowers. Are you seeing that? Are your, are your clients oh. putting in a lot of edibles? Oh, absolutely. I have a lot of clients that um, they they want a nice garden, but they don't have a place for a vegetable garden or herbs or something like that. So we just incorporate that mm-hmm. into the garden. And, and just because you can eat it or it bears fruit or whatever, it it's still decorative. I mean, it's, you know, and you can, you know, like tomatoes, you can do really great twig trellises and I mean you can really you you know you can do a lot with it you really can right and it's and I know back when um in Georgia I mean I know you guys are all over the country but we were kind of plagued for like four three years really with like super droughts and we had serious watering restrictions and a lot of people in the nose started planting edibles with their um other um garden plants so that they could water Yes. Because edibles are not restricted. Right. So, I mean, that's just, you know, it's kind of a way to, you know, get, get, around the get, system. get, get part of your mm-hmm. part of your property watered where your vegetables are. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you start talking about, you know, fall, Anita, what, I mean, there are a lot of different ways to look at it. You can, like, do the planning part. You can do the prep part. Um, we can do... Um, you know, just actually getting it implemented. But let's just take a minute and um, talk about planning because, I mean, you're a trained designer, and so planning is like your specialty. So, you know, what do, what do you think the steps of planning are? I mean, how do you go about starting with a client to get them going? And especially when it's an existing client like adding to because a lot of people add to their gardens right um do you want me to do you want to would you rather talk more about adding to an existing garden yeah i think more yeah rather than starting right um well first we walk through the garden we um i i see how it's laid out does it have any um any areas of interest are there plants of interest i walk through a lot of gardens and they have boring boring things there's they're using shrubs in the wrong spot they're using shrubs that don't do well they're just it's their groupings are wrong anyway so we just kind of take a you know we, we walk through and i throw some ideas out um about what i would change this area change that area add interest here add an anchor plant here and we so we, we we get the we get the conversation going and um and 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 by and this conversation gives me an idea of what they like what they would like to have um it gives me a lot of things and then then we start the planning process but a lot of people which is what this is all about um they want they want flowers and interest year round Right. Yeah. They don't. It doesn't. It, they don't want everything to look the same. They don't want everything to be in the summer. Although the best, um, the best interest plants, I think, are are during the summertime, which that's okay. But it, it, it they, they want to be able to enjoy their gardens year round. Yeah, and I think that's, and especially with all the, you know, people with, you know, bigger, nicer patios and outdoor kitchens oh, yes. and everything, they don't want to walk out and have just yes. like, you know, yes. everything no color no or color. no winter interest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When you're walking through a garden like that with people, do you get in very much to moving plants that people already have 
or do you just try to kind of like leave it there and then add to how what's your take on that well you know i mean i have you need to assess the the the, the tree situation how big are the canopies Mm -hmm. um and like i just stated um a lot of times there are plants in the wrong spots they're either getting too much sun not enough sun so those are no brain you got to move it and i just you know so we do move we move a lot of things around because a lot of people you know um uh, they want to do as much as they can on on you know the money that they have and reusing plants, relocating plants is a great way to do it. They may have great, um, they may have great materials in their garden, but they're just not in the right spot. Right, so right. we move them around um, just because they're. I mean, why not? Right. Well, you know, I mean, a lot of gardeners say if, if I haven't moved it three times in my yard, it's not in the right place. Right. You right. know, and right. I, I find and I, that. I, I mean, I've got things in my garden that I could stand to you, you know, to move around. And I tell you, my, my number one culprit for that are hydrangeas because every hydrangea that I've ever planted it always ends up needing a little bit more sun than it's getting where I put it right so but that's you know so that's just so we do move plants um so you're planning and you know I know people are budgeting and they're going through that but you know when you're working with a client do they I know some people, I mean, we're a master gardener show, and we understand that the plant grows from what's in the ground, and what's in the ground is hugely important. Uh, When you go out and you're working with somebody that's not like a gardener, Mm -hmm. do they, like, go crazy when you tell them how they have to prep the soil and what they have to do to get a garden going? Well, I always recommend first you do a, a soil test. You have to have a soil test because mm-hmm. you got to know what's going on in there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll bring a, a shovel with me and I will um, dig holes mm-hmm. so I can show them, you know, this is, you know, this you've, you've got too much clay. You need to amend the beds. We need to, And then we talk about, you know, stuff like that. But they, um, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, w- they just want the garden and they don't want us to prep the soil. That, right, you know, and 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 I try to tell people your results will. It, it's based on how well, what good soil you have. Right, right. And a lot of people don't want to. I do think that. that's a great idea to take. Yeah, when you, absolutely. When as a designer, when you go out and show up with a shovel, and then you dig up, and it's nothing in there that's going to make a plant grow. Then right. they got to see the picture. Absolutely. So absolutely. that's good. Um. If you, I always kind of like assess my garden this time of year, and especially anything new I've put in, and I always go, uh, that didn't do what it was supposed to. Right. And that's just kind of kind of disappointing because you get, you know, when you start out, you know, in the spring and the summer, you, you know, get a plant that you think is going to be super cool, and it just, it's funny how your gardens just kind of evolve over years and then when you bring something new in you know sometimes it just doesn't work so i i guess my question should you should you move it or just ditch it um you know what i i base that on did i like the plant do i like the foliage Mm -hmm. did i like the blossoms Mm -hmm. just just 
do I like the plant? Yeah. And if I don't and I decide I want to move on, I always dig it up and then I, I, I donate it to the, you know, because just because it's not doing well in my garden and I don't like the look of it, somebody else may, they may be wild about it. Everybody's so different, their taste. Right, right, right. So I usually donate it and right. and to the master gardeners or whoever because somebody's going to want that right. plant. So I don't ditch it totally, but I do ditch it from my garden. If I don't like it, I don't like anything about it, it's out of there. I'm pretty impatient about that and that's you know yeah i i remember a prime example was a variegated hydrangea that i had i moved it three times it never grew finally um i dug it up and gave it to the master gardener plant sale i swear to you this person that i don't even really didn't even know came back to me and said they put that in a pot on like this screened in porch and that it was like incredible, oh, and I gosh. went. If you knew, I, I didn't even tell them the, the bad side about it because, you know, it yeah. was just it would have been it would have probably jinxed it. So they they, uh, they I mean, poured really, salt in the wound. Yeah, I mean it really it made. I mean I was just like so disappointed. Oh. But I've always heard that variegated anything are harder to grow. Is that like an old wives' uh, tale? Well, but. Um, no, I mean, I, I haven't heard that. I haven't. Yeah. I, that's not yeah. my experience, yeah. no. Okay, Anita and I, we need a little break from the Master Gardener Hour, so we're going to be back in just a minute. Hi, everybody. It's Don Zabkar, your host for Who Knew? We air Mondays 2 to 3 on America's Web Radio and then occasionally throughout the week. We've got some great subjects. This administration or this regime, as you know, is providing us with great material. So stay tuned. Check us out. America's Web Radio. It's Who Knew? with Don Zapcar. Inviting you to listen every Sunday morning to Day One with inspiring preachers from America's mainline churches on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless patriot conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
Carol Linker, and I'm here with the Master Gardener Hour with Anita McKee, and we are talking about kind of getting ready for fall, getting ready for winter color. Um, one thing, <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about putting pansies and winter vegetables and accent plants into our garden beds, but the one thing, I mean, you guys know I'm a football maniac, but chrysanthemums. I do want to touch on that because we all get gifts in the fall for Halloween and we get gifts in the fall for Thanksgiving of grocery store and nursery mums. So I kind of want to have a little dialogue about when you get all colors of mums, all sizes, all varieties. Is Are there any clever ways to incorporate those in your garden and get them out there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I um, usually, after mine expire, no more blossoms, they're done, I will plant them somewhere in the garden, depending on the, you know, depending on the size of the mum. It, it could be a tall one, a short one, you know, just mm-hmm. in the proper spot. And I put it in, take all the, the deadhead, all the blossoms off, and then I just enjoy the foliage because it, it does have to... You know, it, it's it's got to cook. It takes a year. It, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And then next year, it, um, they'll come back normally, unless you know there there's a problem somewhere. So and do you you leave the um, you plant it, leave the foliage, mm-hmm. then do you cut it down like to the ground and mulch over it when it gets really into winter? Oh yes, absolutely. Okay, so you do mm-hmm. that. Okay, yeah, you, do you that. don't. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So then you fertilize it in the spring and they just come back. Yes. My problem the last couple of years is I know that mid-sometime you're supposed to pinch back the mums to keep them short mm-hmm. so that they don't get really leggy and ugly mm-hmm. and then they actually don't bloom until the fall. I've had a lot of mums because I forgot about them and they would start growing in the spring, mm-hmm. get tall and leggy, and then they'd be blooming in like July and August. What, what, how? What's the... What's the rule of thumb on that? I, I always you know forget. what I don't think I don't think there is a rule of thumb. It, I mean, the, the plants are going to come up and they're going to bloom when they want to. I think once once you get a, a, a mum in the in the fall and you put it into the ground, it, it's no more it's no longer a fall um, flower. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I, I think it becomes a summer flower, although it doesn't like the heat, and that's where it gets leggy. That's the same thing with pansies. You put pansies in too soon, and the heat, if you put them in now in Atlanta, they're going to be really leggy. They don't, they don't, right, they're right, not right. supposed to be that way. Right. But mums is a tough one. And and I've got a client that has um, a lot of, um, she's got quite a few mums in her yard, and they have already bloomed. I've already deadheaded them for her. And that's just the way it is. But mm-hmm. the foliage still looks nice. Some is some are a little leggy, and some are not. And a lot of times in the summertime, if since they bloom in the summer, spring, whenever, um, I cut them back if they get too leggy, where they're still, you know, a couple of inches, and they regrow. They they put out new foliage, so yeah. they still look decent. So you can always trim them back and then just let it go that way. And a lot of times, I'll get more blossoms. Yeah. After they put more, um, re, you know, put right. more foliage out. Yeah, and if you know your garden, you know you've got, you know, like a white area or you've got, a, you know, like mm-hmm. a mixed color bed or, you know, I've got a lot of gorgeous pink mums and I've got Ooh, nice. that I've got the Ryan Ganey. Yes. And they are 
I don't know exactly. They're not like florist mums, the Ryan Ganey. They're like you would buy like at a nursery that are, they spread and have runners underground and they will like take over an area mm-hmm. and they like are incredible and they haven't bloomed yet. They'll be in, you know, bloom late September, October and they're just incredible. But I just, you know, I just always see, you know, dead moms sitting on people's porches, and I thought maybe the listeners might want to know what to do with them and that you can use them in the garden. Oh, absolutely. You know, so that's good. Yeah. I mean, they have nice foliage. Good to know. Okay, let's talk about getting these beds ready. Anita, you do so many installs of pansies, so why don't you kind of take us through what you think is important in Pansy beds. Pansy beds? Oh, yeah. you know what? We could have a whole hour on this one because there's there's a lot more to pansies than what people realize. I, um, I, I always suggest that you do a soil test in, in a pansy bed because pansies are different. They like acidic soil. And they like they like a pH of between five and five point five. Five and, and five point five. Yes, they love it. So I always say test your bed before you get started. And you know we all know that you can send that to your county through your county extension office. And um, pansies pansies are fed a little bit different. Now I will say this: a lot of if you live in a really really cold region, you need to stick with just straight pansy food because you can't use osmocote or something like that because it 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 because it's it freezes in the ground it freezes and it won't you you don't get any of the nutrients but in atlanta i i, I one year i did nothing but pansy food and the pansies did not do as well you're and talking I, liquid or granular i'm talking granular okay and then and then the next year because it stays so warm here i just used osmocote for the pansies and they did fabulous so i say in a warmer region don't worry about the so much the pansy food the, the granular that you spread in the bed, use an osmocote because it'll continue to feed, just like your your summer annuals and your summer perennials. So the pansy food you have to feed repetitively through this growing season. It's not a time release. No, it is no, no. Okay, no. I get I've bags, never just used, like a dust. Okay, I've actually. never used pansy food. Yes. I only use osmocote. Yes. And like the, fer- the, the 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 fertilizer ratios for pansies are like fifteen to twenty, fifteen three thirty, and thirteen fifteen to twenty. Fifteen three thirty and thirteen two thirteen. Okay. 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 So, um, so anyway, so you you know you till up your bed you with pansies because they're low and flat. You know you do you 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 do the graduated bed if it's higher in the back and lower in the front, which showcases your your pansies and whatever else that you decide to put in there. And then once they're um, they're planted, I. A lot of people use, um, because they like acidic, they like acidic soil, they used uh, mini nuggets, pine barks. Well, that's that's acidic. So that okay, adds to So that to really it. is probably the best mulch or right, mini nuggets. Right, right. Okay, good. But one that I use, and I a lot of people... A lot of people don't, they don't know about this stuff, but I go to Green Brothers and I get Nutramulch, which I think I've dropped some off at yeah. your house before. Nutramulch is the bomb. It's the bomb. The, everything loves it and it can be tilled back into the soil. It's peanut shells. It is um, treated um, sewer sludge. Okay, great. <laughs> which we love that. And um, just compost. And when you get it, it does have an odor to it. I mean, but it, you know, it'll dissipate and go away in a day. But the plants love it. And then you don't have to rake all of that. So that's what you top dress with. That's what I but top dress. But then you keep, you keep 
turning it and turning it. And so each year the bed gets better and better and better. And I top dress my summer beds, my spring beds, and my fall beds in this. And, and so I, you have three truckloads of that come every, every no, year? No, I, I put it in the back of my truck and, and – Yeah, yeah, and then and, unload it. So you do that for summer and fall? I do, yes, and, and, so, and so you don't have to take all of that mulch off, although the pansies love the acidic, you know, like I said, the pine bark. But um, I love that stuff because your bed just keeps getting richer and richer. And I also put the osmocote in it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and that's why my flowers do so well. I mean, you know, there are sometimes they don't because, like, this year, you know, the rain just killed me on petunias and vinca. But, um, yeah, it, although well, the begonias loved it. But you guys all know that Atlanta has, I think we're going to have the all-time record summer rainfall. This year, yeah. Because I think we were down. We had, like, four years that were ahead of us over time since, like, the 1800s. But I think we're going to... Um, exceed them. But I don't know, it's really? been pretty dry the last week or two. Yeah, it has. It but has. Go, but let me ask you something. Does this, does the uh, Nutri-Mulch, does it get as much acid in your soil? Like when you do, like if I did my soil test mm-hmm. and it wasn't at 5 to 5.5, five, five, mm-hmm. what should we do at that point? Or is the, the um, Nutri-Mulch going to get it Acidic enough. And so I would just add a in my bed at that point before I put the pansies in. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And you know what? It would be interesting, and it's probably something that I should do, is I should have the Nutri-Mulch tested by UGA. To oh, tell that'd me be interesting. That, that would be interesting, and, and, uh, but I've never done that. So I, 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 don't know the, I don't know the workup. I would imagine it is on the acidic side. I don't know that for sure. Okay. okay. But it's just a top dressing, and it kind of percolates down in the soil. Right, right, right. So, okay, so once we've got our soil tested, so we're 5 to 5.5. Five, five. Okay. 5 to 5.5. Five. But and, and keep this in mind, um, one thing about pansies, um, and you can, you can spray this on, and it it's, it's comes in, a, um, I guess, a liquid, and you mix it with water, but um, it's called it's calcium nitrate. And calcium nitrate is a water-soluble supplemental fertilizer of nitrogen, but it's in a nitrate form, which is what plants prefer. So that so and the calcium allows the pansies to uptake the nutrients better in, better in the soil. Okay, but do you dilute in, that or do you buy it straight and spray it on? Um, it just depends on what brand that you get. But okay. You can go on the internet, but it aids in in mineral absorption and it allows the plants to get what they need out of the soil because if the soil if 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 there's not enough calcium in the soil, the plants cannot take the nutrients up in the roots. Right. You see, right. and a lot of people don't know that. Well, you know how we had that, you know, the the issue for the last couple of years with impatience, having the roots and the rot. And oh, the fungus, fungus. impatient fungus. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that was Does terrible. that ever affect pansies, anything like that? No, but pansies do get fungus, and that's why they recommend um, pansies that you deadhead them because if the spent blossoms, when they fall from when they're finished and they droop over and they fall onto the leaves. If you've ever gone out and you've, you've, you've right. deadheaded they're and slimy. you can see the little, they're slimy and you see the little white fungus mm-hmm. on there, mm-hmm. that, I mean, pansies can get a lot of funguses and stuff, and that's why they recommend that you um, deadhead all pansies. Okay. They do better. They do better. Okay, so how often do you have to spray this calcium? Um, it de- Well, I guess it depends on the brand that you get and the strength that you get. So just when you go to buy it, I most of the time 
pansies should be fertilized every six weeks. Okay. Every mm-hmm. six weeks. Every six weeks. Because you you know, it because it's not in um it's not slow release. Right. It leaches out of the soil. Okay. So you okay. have to do it every four to okay. six weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, my big problem with pansies, I think, and a lot of people's, is overwatering. I think they like to be a lot drier than we yes. uh, give them credit for. And I think the way you describe building up the bed is key on that, so having the water draining off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love some of the choices that you have down for um, adding veggies and the accent plants to your pansy yes. beds. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about when you're planning, let's talk about the bulbs that you put in along with your pansies and how you do that. Okay. Well, it de- you know what? The bulbs, um, it depends on the region that you live in. Um, Atlanta, you cannot, you can, because the warm weather, you cannot put your bulbs in when you do your pansy beds. That comes after. Oh, my God. That's a key thought. I'm gonna, we're going to take a little break because we need to really talk about this. Okay. So Anita and I will be back in just a minute with the Master Gardener Hour. Hello. I'm Steve Gross. I'm the host of The Gross Reality, and we're a show that every week talks about ways to run your business better, ways to uh, improve technology that you're using to make more profits and keep your costs down. We're always looking out for you and looking out for ways to make your business more successful. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to you every Wednesday afternoon on The Gross Reality. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show At Home with Paisley every week Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government as well as those involved in legal cases have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. morning again. This is Cheryl Linker, and I'm here with Anita McKee, and we're talking about fall planning, and we're specifically talking about pansies and getting pansy beds ready. And right before the break, we started talking about adding bulbs to our pansy beds, which so many people do. So, Anita, let's give everybody the info on that. 
uh, bulbs. Um, I think I, I don't know if I stated before the break, but it, depending on the region that you live in, um, especially Atlanta, you cannot put your bulbs in in September and October um, and expect them to come up at the proper time because of you, you never know what the weather's like, and it's usually pretty warm. Um, I recommend that bulbs go in the ground after Thanksgiving because we're we you could pretty much guarantee that there's cold weather. You may get a warm day here or there, but it's consistently cold. And the bulbs have to have a, I call it a hardening off period, a six-week hardening off period so that they have to be really, really cold and then they'll bloom in the spring like they're supposed to. But if you put them in too early, they will come up. Now, if you're in the north, that's a different story. You can go ahead and put them in with your your beds um, in September, October, whenever you plant. So you prepare your pansy bed. You get your pansies in the Mm -hmm. ground, you know, like around, I always, like said, like like to do it by Halloween, or yes, and then I don't start until the first okay. of October for flowers. October, yes, okay. And then after Thanksgiving, you just take your available space with your plan, and then just pop your bulbs in with a bulb. No, digger? no. How, do you, how, well, do you how I do, do it? it? I um, I take my bulbs. And I, you know, I put them, you know, where in the bed between the pansies, you know, however many I want. And I have a thin trowel. It's probably about, actually, I lost it. So I've got to find another one. I know. I was sad, very sad. Um, it's probably about an inch and a half wide. And I put the bulbs in. I take my trowel and I stab it. And it's a, it's about six inches down. Okay. That's how deep it is, um, the, the length of the, of the trowel. I stick it in and I pull it forward forward towards me, mm-hmm. I take the bulb in the other hand and I shove it down into the hole as far as my, and I've got long fingers, so that's mm-hmm. a plus. I shove it down and then I push the soil back on top. And, but the, the, the bulb, the bulb things is too, it's just, it, it's too, it's, it's, it's too, too big. It's too big. It's too clunky. It's too, too big. So okay. I just use a small, I okay. use the trowel and it works perfectly. Okay. And her list here is tulips, daffodils, hyacinths, crocus, anemones. I mean, all of which are just incredible, you know, coming up in and amongst pansies. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's just going to be a great bed. I think people, in general, and even, I mean, I always think I'm myself as fairly artistic and having a kind of a good eye, but when I go to a nursery and see all the colors of pansies, mm-hmm. and then I open a catalog, a bulb catalog, and see all the colors of bulbs, I see um, a lot of room for error there, if you uh, know what I mean. Yes. And I see it out in the public driving around. It's like the color palette you know, between the bulbs and the pansies is not quite right. right. So what's your advice on that? Um, I, well, well, um, I like to do, and, and I know people are going to oh, that's kind of boring, but I love to do solid yellow um, pansies. Mm-hmm. They really show from the street, mm-hmm. if, especially if you've got a big lot. Um, you can put them in your pots, and they're showy. Purple is hard to see. Dark mm-hmm. red is hard to see. Because if you think about it, you've got, um, and, and you've got the, the mulch or whatever you use as a top dressing, If you, they just don't show up as well. But yellow just pops. You know, so, I agree with you, and I make the mistake because, you know, decorating for the holidays, I've always kind of liked the red, the dark yes. red, because yes. it looks really good in the winter with yes. the evergreens and all that. But after, 
you know, January 1st, I wish I had another color. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, get some, get the red ones with maybe like a, the little uh, yellow whiskers on them and then put in, and then put in yellow pansies with it. Okay. A lot of people like, um, white is probably my least favorite, but I like jewel tones together. The reds, the purples, the yellows. Mm-hmm. I like that combination. And when you have those combinations, you can do solid yellow tulips, which look fabulous. Mm-hmm. Or what I like about having solid yellow pansies, then you can use multiple multicolor tulips when they come up and that you've got that bright yellow base to it. Right. That's and a it good makes idea. those dark colors on the top of those tulips just really pop. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. So how do you figure out, I always go, I look at my beds and I always go, how many pansies should I buy? Uh, What's your, how you you do this for a living. So tell us how to how to figure out how many pansies we need. Okay. I, you know what? I should be ashamed and I am ashamed, but I am a renegade when it comes to trying to figure out how many pansies. I do not do in the traditional line. You do this many spacing. and right. Because, you know, when they come up, that's the way they look. They yeah, look like I they're agree. in line. It looks like a grid. I don't like that. I start my pansies, and I know my spacing, and I just do them. I just start putting them in around. I, I don't follow a, a grid or anything, and I, I guess just... I don't really have a formula of, get, of saying how many pansies I'm going to need. I guess I've done it for so long I can pretty much look at it and tell. Look at a bed size and tell. Yeah, but I'm just a renegade. When but it, I, to, I totally agree with you on the planning uh, because, you know, especially when you're working in and amongst existing plants that are in your bed or, or say, for example, I mean, I've got a prime bed that I use pansies in and I have like a piece of statuary in it and I have a I have a, a big pot with a camellia in it so I have to work around those pots and mm-hmm. you're right you don't put them in a line because no. it does it, it does look bad so anyway you can always take your extra and put them in a pot on your patio oh absolutely you know and they just it's a shame pansies don't grow inside in the wind and remember this <laughs> if you have a shaded area violas violas are the ones to use they can take more shade pansies do not like shade if you've got an area with evergreens and you it's not like a deciduous tree and the leaves fall off and they've got plenty of sun right but you always use violas in um in more shaded areas they do a lot they're so tender and sweet they're adorable they're adorable i really like them i really do like them mm -hmm. um talk about let's you know we got your pots and you know people always are adding you know let's kind of talk about the evergreen accents and the foliage accents to your pots with pansies and what kind of give us some tips on that uh let's see you want pots or you just want any kind of or any, in, the, in a bed okay. or in in a pot you know just what let's just we'll just kind of start and okay. work through it all right um well i you i mean i use a combination of things i use as you said before i use vegetables which and the the best ones are the parsley's um swiss chard kale cabbage thyme, oregano, rosemary, all, and even lettuces for that matter. And they have a ton of uh, decorative um, cabbages and kale and, uh, you know, they just get gorgeous. One thing people don't do that just, it makes me nuts, that these decorative cabbages, not the kind you eat, but the, you know, the, right. all the purples and all of that stuff, when they flower in the spring, because you will, they'll start to get, you know, you've got this 
Anyway, I'm laughing. I know exactly what she's going to say. Off, cut those off. Take those because you're not you're not growing them for the flowers. You're growing them for the foliage. But people let these huge missile. Oh, and they look so tacky. They look horrible. Cut them off. Just keep all that stuff trimmed back, and your cabbage will look a lot better for a long time. So, and also deadhead the brown leaves that are laying on the ground. Yes, underneath. Because that brings in slugs. Right. And and snails. And Atlanta's warm, so don't think they go away for the entire time because they don't. Do you use um, slug bait in your pansy beds? Um, Only if you have the cabbages in it, or you, if you just had a straight-up pansy bed, would you use slug bait? In? Usually not, I, but I only put it out if I, if I have problems with them. Yeah. I don't just automatically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but they, but the slugs really go for the cabbages and all, all yeah. of the above. And also when, you know, those, those the leaves underneath the cabbages, when they start to decompose, one thing that's been really bad in Atlanta are, I call them the roly-poly bugs. Oh, yeah. And they will eat things off at the base because it. If, if the plant's struggling, but that's what brings the roly-poly bugs in. So you have to keep the um, the rotting vegetation, the decomposing vegetation off of the plants. You have to spend a little bit of time mm-hmm. and pull this stuff off. Mm-hmm. But even in the summertime, the roly-poly bugs have been bad. They eat the bases, the, the leaf bases of my hostas all the time. They've gotten horrible. I don't know what the deal is. but I think it's rain. I think it's, it's rain. The it's the rain, rain, and it's just they're just everywhere. It's I just, wonder if slug bait works on those. You know what? Now that I do not know. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, some other foliage accents. Sedum is good. You know, you can use some sedums that don't go away. Um, ivy, um, little evergreens. Euphorbia is fabulous because it comes in so many different colors. I love that. Um, grassy sweet flag. Dusty Miller. The good thing about Dusty Miller, it's 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 white. Um, it's a great accent, and you can keep it in your bed for the summertime. And you can you can cut it back after the winter in the spring, and it just it's it's just like so it. all these the, all these just for our listeners' benefit the sedums, the ivies, evergreens. Those are all winter hardy. So yes, okay, yes. so perfect, yes. perfect. And then flower accents we have. Um, you could do foxglove depending on where you are. Snapdragon, snapdragon's a good one. The, the thing about snapdragons, you'll get the blossom when you put them in until it gets cold but they do not bloom in the in the winter time when it gets cold you can forget it and then the spring what is, do you do with the big green stalk you just let those you just you just appreciate it for the foliage and then in the spring that's when you get your color from snapdragons a lot of people think oh they're not blooming in the winter they don't bloom in the winter it's just in the fall when you put them in until it gets cold and then it kicks back in 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 the spring okay fox clubs i want to talk about that just for a minute just mm-hmm. to deviate a little bit foxgloves are biennials um, is that right they're biennials just they, they, they bloom they for two years is the way that i've always learned well and i've had some that have bloomed longer um you know it, it just depends on where they are are they happy where okay, they are if i want foxgloves to bloom in my garden mm-hmm. on mother's day may 10th for this garden tour when do I plant them, and what size do I plant? Ooh, that's a tough one because um, that's a little early for foxgloves. Um, you would, you know what? Honestly, you would have to find some foxgloves that are um, already from, in bloom. Already put in them bloom in from a place minute. like Florida, and you're going to have to stick them in. That's okay. What you have to do. Okay, I knew that's, that's what you were going to say. Way. I was hoping there was a way I could do it more economically and Mm-mm. do that. So, 
do you recommend putting the these flower accents in the pansy bed as well, or do you are you talking about separate? Um, no, no, you can put them in. Just you know, like the foxgloves, everything will be to the back. They'll die back, but in the spring when they come up, then you've got the you know you've got the nice big foliage. Mm-hmm. Um, the bad thing about I guess I should say you should limit these kinds of things in a pansy bed if you want to still incorporate them into your summer bed because they'll be there. And by the time they do um, um, bloom, it'll be time for summer flowers. Okay. So it's, okay. I probably should take that one off, but it's I, I, okay. it's I guess it's just more of a regional thing. Okay. Yeah. We're going to take a little bitty break and come back with, can you believe it, our last segment on uh, getting ready for fall with Anita McKee. Quick stakes. That's Q-U-I-K stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Hi, this is Kate Copsey, inviting you to listen year-round to America's Homegrown Veggie Show every Saturday at 10 a.m. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you. God bless Patriot Conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Cheryl Linker, and I'm here with Anita McKee, and we are talking about fall planning and getting you ready your garden ready for fall we've kind of talked about pansies and gotten all that you know squared away and they're just they can be challenging you know i know a lot of master gardeners that go you know i'll plant anything but a pansy but i think anita's really given us some good strong tips to get our pansies bed you know going and you know we are going to talk a little bit about the big five and how we get ready for fall with roses, hydrangeas, camellias, ferns, hostas, all those things that we've just worked on and worked on and worked on in the summer. And then all of a sudden it's starting to get cold and they're like the mainstay of our garden and how we, you know, how we kind of get them ready for the winter without like just making our garden look, you know, terrible. So, I mean, right now my hydrangeas, let's talk about those because they're kind of getting crinkly leaves and they're, and they've got, you know, I've deadheaded the blossoms. 
you know, I'm not one that has hydrangea blossoms that, you know, I let them dry and then they look gorgeous and you use them in a dried arrangement. Mine look like trash. <laughs> I know. I but so for, let's talk about hydrangeas and how we get those guys down for the winter. Um, well, um, hopefully everybody um, uh, deadheading a, a hydrangea and taking it back to like a, a better size. A lot yeah, of we know we don't do that till the spring. Yeah, well, no, no, no. You have to cut, well, a macrophylla, right. which are the French blues and so forth and so on, those have to be deadheaded no later. Why will I say they have to be cut back to the size that you want? Like mine need to be cut back, and I didn't do it, and I'm probably going to whack on them and not have any blossoms for next year. But if you, I say August August 15th is the last day that you cut back a hydrangea if you want to control the size a little bit better. Right, right, right. Deadheading is different. Right, right, right. Deadheading is when you're just coming in and you're clipping off, off the blossom. But and also, but when you deadhead, don't you know, you know how the 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 blossoms the stems come down to the blossom and then there's a there's a leaf mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. a leaf joint there usually you take it down to the next bigger leaf joint and that's right. where you cut right and that's where the new flower will be formed for next right. year right um but mine you know what mine look trashy right now also but and i don't i think there's very little that you can do what you know for macrophyllas now because you really can't whack on them you, you're going to get yeah, rid of your you, blossoms yeah now a paniculata right knock yourself out you can cut back right. as much as you want the limelights, the tardivas, and all of that stuff because right. they bloom on new wood. Yeah, so that it's just there's really what, not what much you can do. They just look bad this time of year. You I mean, know? and it's really funny in Atlanta because we've had so much rain this year. So hydrangeas, you know, the hydra plant. They've had more than enough to drink. So yes. what's making the leaves so crumply and brown on some of them? Is it just because it's gotten hot the last couple of weeks? Or I don't know. I just don't know the answer to that. Uh, no, I mean, I, I It's just that time of the year. It's that time of the year. And plants know when the, you know, the days are a little bit shorter than what mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. in the middle of the summer. And, you know, they know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's an innate thing with them. I mean, and they start. And, and you know what? I've noticed, I know they love water, but there's also a, a, a thing a known, you know, it, there's there can be too much water. Absolutely. And a lot of my um, hydrangeas have, the leaves have turned yellow, but it's from too much water. Now, that was a little bit before now because we've had some dry weather recently, but um, yeah. It's just it. It's too yeah. much water. There's there never seems to be a perfect balance. Okay, you know. So hydrangeas, ferns, and hostas. What's your? Let's just talk about. Are we going to wait till they brown out and then cut them down to the yes, ground? So we're I do. just going to let. That's what I do. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're just going to. That's going to happen more like in like you're like November. first frost. Yeah, first frost. First yeah. frost. Yeah, and but I do remove you know like some fronds if it, they're really beat up or leaves that have you know are really browned out. I go ahead and pull them off. Oh, just I to do. make the, the plant right. A little I more do too. I but do I don't too. cut them down. No. Right, and so then you just cut it. You know, right down right to the ground. above the crown, mm-hmm. just right on the ground, mm-hmm. and then just mulch over mulch it. over it. Yeah. Um. So and. Ferns, you know, basically the same thing. I mean, I've had some mm-hmm. that, you know, they get broken, they get bent. You know, you should tidy up your garden as you go in a perfect world. But right. once they're down, then, you know, and then we've got, of course, our autumn ferns and Christmas ferns and evergreen ferns that we just kind of were lucky to have them in our garden. Um, camellias. Oh, my favorite. Um, yeah, mine too. And, oh, my gosh, it's crazy, but 
all my almost all my camellias already have buds on them. They're so precious. Oh yes, because of all the water. Yeah, it's just so precious. I mean, they really, really look healthy. So, do we do anything special? No. No. Just let them go. Just, you know what? The thing about camellias and sasanquas, which they're obviously, they're just, they're cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, turn the leaves over and check for small scale. They're really bad about getting small scale. Yeah, the and those little are the hard, little white. Yes. They're not hard. They're itty bitty little white dots. The the bigger ones, those, that's hard, that's large scale. But they're really bad about the, the, the small scale. And you know what? Put your systemic on it. Put that Bayer systemic on it. It'll take care of it. So you don't no need to do like a heavy duty you can, spray. Well, you can spray. It depends if you've got an infestation or whatever. But if you, I tell you what, that Bayer Systemic, it, which comes in concentrate or granular, which I like the concentrate better. If you follow those directions, and they also make the the, the one for roses. Yeah. Um, it, any any kind of plant like an azalea, a camellia, any plant that gets a lot of you know piercing, sucking bugs, um, and that, that, that pull the carbohydrates out, um, if you keep that Bayer on it and you do what it says and you do it when you're supposed to do it, you will never have another bug again. I'm telling you, it's a miracle product. It's a miracle That's product. That's really good. I see that. On, and then you don't have to spray. And I've seen, I've seen those, the same scale go from my camellias to my dissectum maples. Oh, on really? the trunk, yes, because I have a lot of a lot of dissectum maples, mm-hmm. and I first see the scale on the camellias, and then I'll use like, well, I mean, I've even actually actually used like a neem oil or something mm-hmm. to you know try to get them to fall off. Right. Not really hugely successful, but I try to do it, you know, and not use a lot of chemicals but i that systemic's great but i think the systemic is like the way to go but it's just kind of troublesome because then you have these gorgeous really expensive japanese maples on your property and you mm-hmm. look at the trunk and it's got the scale on it really yeah i have so, never had yeah is it the hard scale yeah it's the ones you're talking about it's the same ones that are on the camellias so the camellia, they get small scale, usually. It's a little bitty white. Itty bitty little white dot. Yes. That's small scale. Right. The larger ones look more like a bug with a hard scale. How big? Uh, Like the half, half of the size of a pencil eraser. Okay. Mine are little. Okay. Mine I'll have little. to look mine at them are, Mine are little. It'll be a trip to your garden. Yeah. You know what? And you know what? Let's say this. Let's go back. One thing about pansies, since we're talking about chemicals, we didn't we didn't touch on this. But it, and people ask me all the time. Oh my gosh, the bunnies are eating my pansies. The oh, bunnies yeah, yeah, are eating. Yeah. Please, look, we got to bring this up. There's a product that I buy at Home Depot, but it's called Liquid Fence, and it. You spray, just follow the directions. You spray the perimeter. You spray the spray the plants. You spray everything, and the bunnies will not touch it. But I'm telling you now, you make sure you wear a glove, you know, mm. a glove on the hand that you're spraying because this stuff smells so bad. You get it on your body or your hand, and you will no one will speak to you the rest of the day. Oh my God. I'm just telling okay. you right now. Well, that, I might need to use Unless, some of that product sometimes. <laughs> that's that's well, right. Question, once you put it onto your around your perimeter and, you know, in, in your bed, uh-huh. does your bed smell? Well, you can smell it when you put it out, but it dissipates. It's kind of okay. like that that Nutramulch that I use. It's kind of stinky at first. but Okay, so yeah, the liquid fence really, really works. Yes. Well, we were talking about, uh, before the show started, the deer eat pansies. And 
and I said, well, you know, I kind of thought I'd heard that deer don't eat pansy. And then uh, our producer and Anita both said, oh, yeah, they eat pansies. And Anita said they particularly like what color? I have a client that has a lot, they have a lot of deer, and they swear that they the only pansies they'll eat are the red ones. And she said, don't put any red ones in. So I'm like, okay. So she swears it's just red. I don't know that. I don't have deer. And that's the only time I've heard that, but I don't know. Okay, so liquid fence for your bunnies. And supposedly the deer. And supposedly the deer. No red pansies if you don't want the deer to come in. Well, that's cute. I like that. I like that. (laughs) You know, there is so much to talk about when it, you know, when it comes to fall because, I mean, our, my planning for the show, we didn't even really get into actually all the things that you're supposed to have to prune in the fall and really there's not a lot of pruning in the fall though now unless you're taking them down to the ground right 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 yeah yeah, yeah. and well the thing that that we um you know we've had a lot of people in the show that deal with native plants and deadheading too early right reduces you know the birds being in your yard yes. because of the seeds and mm-hmm. the in the flowers and re you know putting seeds down so that they'll spread right and so you know those were kind of like topics that we could like really oh, get yeah. really get into but um you know fall's fun and i think that you know when you get ready for winter then you start can enjoy your your property you know going out i strongly recommend when all the leaves are off the tree getting out there with your camera taking photographs of your property and I don't mean just like the one shot, but go to little vignettes in your yard and take pictures of it when, you know, the hydrangeas aren't in bloom, the roses aren't in bloom. And see, that's really when true gardeners and master gardeners start trying to work on their yard to add winter interest and oh, yeah. to have things that will take them through, you know, all four seasons and not just, you know, spring, summer, fall. So, I mean, that's just a time to get out and do that. And then you can also just get out and feed the birds yes. and the squirrels. We could do a great program on feeding the birds. I know, that's, I know. There's so many different I know, ways. I know. The um, Do birds get into pansies or anything like mm-mm, that? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Squirrels. Now, squirrels will dig them up. Have you ever gone out to your pansy bed and there's one laying? It's been well, that's up. what I thought. That's why I thought that I guess that's kind of back to why I thought deer didn't eat pansies because I would see the deer in the street and then I would see the pansies pulled out and in the driveway and I thought the deer were doing it but it's Well, but they can. I mean, when they grab the, you know, the, the tops of the pansies, they could pull them out. Well, Absolutely. A car came down the road and it, and it could be, yeah. but but I know that squirrels do also dig them up cuz they're looking for nuts and they and if there's a pansy in the way and there's something underneath that they want, it's out. You can, yeah. you know, yeah. So I, it's probably a combination of both. I just, I just know from experience at my house, I don't have deer, but it's, you know, they're the squirrels, and so. I've got clients. I know they don't have deer, and they're out, and I have to put them back in. Yeah, that's it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I tell you something, Anita. It's been fun today. Thanks for having Anita's me. thinking about possibly like uh, doing some shows on the on the Master Gardener Hour, and I know you guys would all love to have her back and uh, get to know her better because she is just a world of information and loves to garden. But we're going to say goodbye for today's Master Gardener Hour. Be safe. Have a great week.